theyeshiva.net. Hechel Menachem presents A Tale of Two Souls, an ongoing lecture series on the Tanya by Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Jacobson. This is the tenth tape in the series entitled The Sanctity of Intimacy, recorded live at Hechel Menachem, Brooklyn, New York. Good morning. We are holding in the middle of uh, Perig Bay's, the second chapter of Tanya. And of Zion Ahmed Aleph. We're standing at seven lines from the top, the second to the last word from the line, Umasha Kosov Bezayar. That's where we are holding. In our previous class, the Alter Rebbe was explaining that the origin and the source of all the souls of all the Jewish people are the divine wisdom, the Chachma of Hashem, Chachma Elah, supernal wisdom. He, he employs the metaphor of a child where all the organs and limbs and parts of the child stem from the brain and the wisdom and the soul of the father. The Alter Rebbe went on to explain that the various levels and ranks in the Shamas, the myriads and myriads of different orientations, and experiences and levels of neshamas are created from the fact that the divine wisdom does, is not immediately, so to speak, converted into a neshama, but rather it goes through a state of evolution which he calls ishtalshalus ha'elamus. And thus the divine wisdom evolves through a myriad and a set of worlds, spiritual realms and worlds, through which the soul assumes um, dimensions of these worlds and realities until it is finally enclosed in the human body. Thus the evolution affects every soul differently and many souls in different ways and from this stem the many differences and variations in the neshamas. And again similar in the metaphor of the child with the same substance and fluid that is generated from the father enters the womb of his wife, of the mother and through a process of seven or nine months, it goes through stages of development and evolution through which from this very same liquid, there are created many different organs and limbs and compartments in the child's body. So although the whole body stems from one source, nevertheless through this evolution, there are created differences. And the Alter Rebbe continues, that just as in the metaphor, even after the fluid from the father is converted and changed into legs and arms and eyes and eyebrows until toenails, still they are all bound and connected in a very real and powerful way with their original source which is the psyche and the character of the father. And this is due to the fact that these specific organs are not just disconnected organs but rather they are all unified and connected with a, with a central nervous system, the brain and the wisdom of the child, which still retains in a very conspicuous way its connection with his father. And since all the organs are part and parcel of this central nerve system, they all retain that connection and link with their father. And the same is true regarding the souls of the Jewish people, that albeit that there are so many different types of souls, 
due to the fact that it went through this process of evolution. Nevertheless, it is not only that their origin is the divine wisdom, but even now, due to the fact that all the souls are part and parcel and connected with the spiritual nerve system of the Jewish people, the Rashi Alpha Yisrael, the heads of the multitudes of Israel, the tzaddikim and the chachamim, the righteous people, who are the heads of the Jewish people in every generation, through this, every single Nisham is linked up constantly with its original source, and still remains a projection and an extension of the divine essence. And today, in the conclusion of this parak of chapter 2, the Alter Rebbe will discuss briefly what is the contribution of parents regarding the character, the soul, and the spiritual makeup of their children. In light of what we learned previously in the Perik, it comes out that both the source of the soul is totally independent of the parents. They do not determine where the soul comes from. Every soul is a godly soul. truly a part of Hashem above. Furthermore, we learned even the many different levels and ranks in the Neshamais are not determined by the parents, but rather by the evolution of the soul through the spiritual world, which of course Hashem is the one who determines which soul is affected more by the evolution, which soul remains even in this world as it was in its original source without being affected by this evolution, etc., not by the parents. However, when we view our sources, especially the sources that the Rebbe will bring from Zohar, it seems to indicate the contrary, that the parents do have crucial influence also in this area. So let's see inside. Seven A, Dav Zayin Amidalef. Zayin, you see, Umasha Kasev Bezayar. The seventh line from the top, the second to the last word, says the Alter Rebbe, Umasha Kasev Bezayar or Bezayar Chadash. As for what it is written in the Zohar, and in the Zohar Chadash, Shaiikir Talush Yikadash Atzmai B'Shas Tashmish Davka, that the essential factor is to conduct oneself in a holy manner during the union between a husband and a wife. Which is not the case with the children of the ignorant. And their like, who do not sanctify themselves during their union. And therefore the Zohar goes on to explain and imply that these types of people who do not sanctify themselves draw down for their child a soul of a much lower level. Now in order to understand what the Zohar and the Zohar Chadash are saying over here, I have to give a brief introduction based on what the Balatanya Rabbi Shnei Zalman explains, not in the Tanya, but in other Svarim of his. There is a famous letter of the Ramban, Rabbi Nomeisha ben Nachman, which is printed in the Kisve Ramban in volume 2, where he discusses the idea of the union of the Tashmish between a husband and a wife. The Ramban says a statement over there, and I quote, Kishayiyah hachibur l'shem shamayim. When the union is done for the sake of heaven, there is nothing which is holier and purer than that. In other sources, the union between a husband and a wife are termed the holiest of the holy. 
The reason for this Hasidism, and the Rebbe specifically explains in several places, is because when Hashem originally created man and woman, He created them as one human being, in the image of Hashem who is one. Then, He divided this one human being into two distinct parts, which became Adam and Chava, a man and a woman. Therefore, the Torah says in Bereshis, Perik Beis, Pasuk Chavdalet, Al Kain Yazav Ish, Es Aviv Es Imay Vedavak Beishtei Vahayul Abasarechat. Therefore, what is the therefore? Since they were originally created as one, and only then did they become two distinct parts. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Explains the Alter Rebbe that the eternal temptation that exists where a man seeks to be connected with a woman and a woman seeks to be connected with a man is because in essence you're dealing with one human being, with one entity who is only afterwards separated and therefore man cleaves to be connected with the second half and woman cleaves to be connected with her second half. And it's through this connection that they again can realize the fact that they were created in the image of Hashem. The fact that they were created in the image of Hashem was when they were one. Their separation is not only a physical separation, but also a separation in their realization and awareness of them being in the image of Hashem. This is one of the reasons why Kaidish HaKadoshim is called in Tanakh, Chadar Hamitais, the chamber of the beds. Because this moment of union is in Jewish literature deemed the holiest of the holiest. In addition to the fact, however, that this is the time when their Tzalem Aleikim can be experienced in its fullest expression, it is the only experience in the human being's life through which he can have a taste of, of Hashem, through which man can be truly godlike. It is the closest we come to create something. That moment Hashem gives the power and the ability for the couple to create a child. Which in that, they become in a very powerful way godlike. The same as Hashem creates the entire human race and the entire world. The parents come the closest to that by giving, by being given the ability to create a child. And in addition to that, they create a child which will in turn create more children generation after generation until eternity. So this is the time in which a person is given one opportunity to taste the reality of godliness, to think as he thinks, to create as he creates, to endure eternally as he endures eternally. Several weeks ago I was asked to speak to a group of approximately a hundred Jewish teenagers who come from a secular background and had no Jewish education whatsoever. But nevertheless, in the last few months, um, uh, have been studying it and I have found interest in it. So we were discussing issues and the quite intimate issues. And finally, one 17-year-old boy raised his hand and he wanted to know why in the Jewish religion, why in the Torah, there's so many regulations and laws and prohibitions regarding the issues of intimacy and the union between a husband and a wife. Why can the Torah allow just freedom? 
And of course, all the hundred boys are staring at me. And I know you're dealing with teenagers. So I know I have 60 seconds. These 60 seconds, I could make it or blow it. Either I could tell them something that will remain with them or not. So I'm thinking. You know, no, 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 there's no lectures here. And finally, as I remember the statement that the Rebbe says in Tanya. So I said, listen boys. All of us are very physical people. We are very fi- we're finite human beings. Everything we do has limitations, has boundaries, has parameters. There is one experience in our life. One experience only. Where God gives us the opportunity to become godlike. And that is the moment of the union between a husband and a wife. It's the time when the human being is given the ability to create, to endure, and to become godlike. And boys, when you stand face to face with God, every detail counts. Every single detail counts. And this is what Alter Rebbe explains. The mystique and the infinite power, the overwhelming power that exists in this issue of union between a husband and a wife. So in our world, we are usually inclined to see it as a pure physical issue. But the reason why there's such a physical, powerful physical pleasure is really because this is the deepest spiritual pleasure that a human, a human being can experience if he cultivates it correctly. And that's why indeed it's overwhelming. And for the same reason, it's that area in life which can be abused most. Because wherever this is a klal and axiom in Jewish teachings, wherever there is a potential for the greatest experience of sanctity there is also a potential for the greatest experience which can demoralize a human being and just cause them further disconnection from the source of sanctity and holiness and from Hashem. This is basically the issue that is discussed in many places of Lakadish Atzmei B'Shaz Tashmish, that by the union one must sanctify himself. But in addition to the above, there's another major significant issue. And that is that in addition to the union itself, you're dealing over here with a child that might be created, but might be conceived and created. And the thoughts and the mental attitude and perspectives of the father and the mother in the midst of their union, according to the Torah, have a crucial effect on the nature, both the physical and the spiritual nature of the child that will be born. So it's not only an issue where a parent could think that a certain physical fluid or substance will emit from the father and enter the mother's womb and create a child, but the whole makeup and spiritual thought and mentality and psyche and the character of the parents at the moment will have an effect on what type of child will come out of this union. The Medrash tells an interesting story in Bamid Barabba and Parshas Nasai, tells the Medrash that an Arab king came to Rabbi Akiva. And he tells Rabbi Akiva the following story. I'm black. My wife is black. She gave birth the other day to a white child. I want to kill her. He says, why do you want to kill her? Because the only way she could give birth to a white child is if she lived with another man. So Rabbi Akiva says, 
the images and the pictures in your home are black or white. So the Arab king says they happen to be white. Shabbat says, don't worry about it. In the midst of your union, your, your wife was contemplating and meditating upon the white images in your home, and thus she gave birth to a white child. And then he continues, he says, and if you're wondering about this absurd phenomenon, look in the Chumash, in Bereshus, the story with Yaakov Avinu, Parshish Vayetze, we all know the story. Yaakov Avinu wanted, to, uh, wanted that the animals should give birth to animals that uh, have certain colors and images, white spots, black spots, Akudim, Akudim. So what he did was, in the time of the union between the male and the females, he crafted sticks that stood at the reservoirs of water where they usually have their union in certain images, and thus the females should contemplate these images, and thus they will give birth to animals in similar images. This is just one medrash out of many that uh, explains the fact how the thoughts on all levels of the parents in that time has an effect on the nature of the child. And this is the idea that the Zayar explains over here. That a person, that the main thing is, the essential factor is sanctification in the midst of the union. In fact, this idea of is already discussed in Gemara, and in other places, but over there it's very concise and brief. In Zayar, in many places, this issue was developed at length. Zayar is, of course, a text, one of the most basic and fundamental texts in Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism, authored by Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai and his, uh, and his pupils. Just a few quotes from the Zayar. Zayar chilek alev, daf mem tes, omed beiz, amar Rabbi Yehuda amar Rav. Tzarech adam lekadesh atzmei b'shaz tashmish, v'nafkemine bani kachi, bani maili delay mistafu meyetzahara. Rabbi Yehuda, in the name of Rav, said, a person has to sanctify himself in his union, and through that will come out of him holy children, excellent children, children that will not have to fear their evil inclination. Sorry, it's the third section of Zayar Daf Mem Tesamid Base. The same section of Zayar Daf Peyamid Aleph, Parshas Gdashim, the Zayar says, Zakayin Inun Sadikaya. How lucky are the righteous people which through their sanctification in the midst of their union, Mishalfi Ruchi Kadisha Mila'elu, Ubnayu Kulu Zakai, Kshait Umikrun Bne Malka Banin Kadish. That through their sanctification they draw down a holy spirit from above, and all of their children are truly righteous and are called the children of the king, holy children. Vote to the wicked people who are all contain the aspect of chutzpah and their deeds are full of chutzpah, antithetical to the divine will, and therefore they give, they impart to their children a chutzpah dikasol that comes from the side of im impurity. Indeed, in another place, in uh, Zayar Chadash, which the Alter Rebbe quotes, Reishis Dafid Alev, the Zayar quotes the Pasuk in this week's Parsha, the end of Parsha Shmini, Viz Kadishtim, Viyisim Gdeishim, you should sanctify yourself and you should be holy. This refers that a person has to sanctify himself in the midst of the union. And the Zayar continues that
Yirishamayim and Kedoshin. Someone who is boil, who experiences the union, L'Shem Mitzvah, for the sake of a mitzvah, and sanctifies himself, and contemplates, and Mechavin, his heart, he has an intention in his heart, L'Shem Shemayim, for the sake of heaven, he will have excellent children, good children, Sadikim and Chasidim, fearing Hashem and holy. These are just a few quotes from many other places in the Zayar where this issue is discussed. And the Zayar continues over there. However, someone who does not have the sanctification, like he says, B'nai Ameha will draw down for their child a soul which does not contain this aspect of holiness and purity. So the Alter Rebbe's question over here is as follows. In the Zayar we see that the essential factor which determines the nature of the soul of the child is the conduct of the parents at the time of their union, which would seem to indicate the contrary of what was discussed previously in Tanya, that the soul issue that determines the nature of the soul is Hashem. So how are we to reconcile these two factors? And Fidalti Rabbi says as follows, I know the meaning in all these sources in Zayar is Mishum She'ein Lecha Nefesh Ruach Neshama. There is no Nefesh Ruach Neshama She'ein Lo Levush Min Nefesh Da'atzmus Avevi'imai. Which does not have a garment that stems from the soul of its father's and mother's essence. V'chol HaMitzvah Yisra'isa. All the mitzvahs, all the commandments that it fulfills. Ha'kaila Yidei'isa HaLevush are all influenced and done through that garment. Even the benevolence that flows to one from heaven, all is given through that, that garment. Now if the person sanctifies himself, he'll bring forth a holy garment for the neshama of his child. And even if you're dealing with a great soul, it still needs the Father's sanctification at the time of the union. What Alter Rebbe is saying is we have to distinguish between the actual soul and the garment of the soul. And everything he said till now, is a quote, more or less, the words are a little bit a different order, from the Arizal for Rabbi Yitzchak Luria, as he will soon indicate where the references are for this. The Arizal explains that you do not have a child who has a garment which comes from the soul of the essence, which comes from the essence of the father and the mother. And the meaning, what we're, what the meaning over here in Tanya is that when the Zayar talks about the nature of the soul that the parents can draw down at the time of the sanctification, the Zayar is not referring to the actual soul. The actual soul is not connected to the acts, to the behavior, to the conduct of the parents in any way. That is determined solely by above, mimal, by Hashem. First of all, all the souls come from one origin, from the divine wisdom, they are all a projection from the divine essence. And the differences come through the evolutions, through the ishtashlus that Hashem determines. What is the Zaya referring to? The garment of the soul. And when we talk about the garment in this case, we're dealing actually with the other two souls we discussed in our previous classes. We discussed that generally, specifically there are three souls. There is the godly soul, 
There is the rational soul and there is the animal soul. Generally speaking, in the Tanya, they are divided into two souls. The godly soul and the animal soul. The godly soul is of a godly essence. That is a godly consciousness in the human being. The animal soul is of a worldly, earthly essence. Where the bottom line of the animal soul is I, selfhood. A sense of self. The rational soul is a more refined, developed, sophisticated, lofty aspect of the animal soul. But nevertheless, it's part of the human experience. It's part of the earthly experience. The godly soul is what allows the person to truly soar and touch the divine. The godly soul does not exist in a vacuum. It is enclosed within the animal soul. And what is the animal soul? It's bifunctional. Number one, it's the biological soul that allows us to live. It gives vitality to our flesh and blood. It's what allows us to perceive, to breathe, to be healthy, to walk, to, to uh, our blood circulation should be running fine. In addition to that, animal soul has a spiritual personality of which includes intellect, emotions, functions, attributes, faculties. But nevertheless, it's part of the zoological species, albeit a, albeit a sophisticated part of it, the, the highest part of it. But nevertheless, that's what it is. That's what the animal soul is. The godly soul is enclosed within that animal soul. And within that rational soul. And it functions through it. It behaves through it. Everything it does goes through the animal soul. This is what the parents determine. The garment to the godly soul, which includes the rational soul and the animal soul. This will be determined by the parents. There's no child who does not have a garment which does not stem from the nefesh, from the character of the father and the mother. There's a famous Mishnah, Mesichta Eidiyeh, Perik Beis, Mishnah Tess. Zagda Mishnah, Hu Haya Eimer, Rabbi Akiva used to say, Ha'av Zaycha Laban, Benayi, Ubekayach, Ubeisher, Ubechachma, Ubeshanan. A father imparts to his, his child his beauty, his power, his wealth, his wisdom, and his years of life. There are several interpretations in this Mishnah. The Bartanura in his first interpretation, including the Pirisha Mishnah, Yisla Rambam, explained that in most cases, the nature of the child resembles and reflects the nature of the child. The Maharal of Prague in his Chidusha Yagodis HaMesich Ta'edis explains this more clearly and he says, Baalaymar, the mission is coming to say, The proper normal thing is that the offspring resembles and is similar to its origin where it came from. This is something which is acknowledged and agreed by everybody. That the child, the offspring, is similar to the father. The Maharal says that if it's different, it's because of a specific, specific, exceptional, unusual reason. And interestingly, he discusses the five aspects that the Mishnah enumerates as being expressions of the five aspects in the, in the parent's character, in the father's character. He says the beauty is the tzalem of the father, the image of the father. The koyach, the energy, is from the soul of the father. Then the wealth is from the money of the father. And wealth in the Torah is connected in some way to the person's essence and character. The wisdom is the intellect of the father. And the years of life are the body of the father. And all these aspects the father imparts to the child. That's how it is. So the child's garment of the soul, of his godly soul, which is extremely important, he will have through his father and his mother. And this is where the union becomes crucial. They can determine 
what type of garment it should be. If the garment that encompasses and encloses the godly soul will be a holy garment, will be a sanctified garment, will be a garment that will be transparent, will allow the godly soul to function in a proper and powerful way, or it will be an unholy garment. So the Alter Rebbe says, even a great soul must have the sanctification of the Father. I, the soul itself, is holy and great, but the animal soul is also important. It's your character, it's your biological, physical character, your spiritual character, it's many aspects of the human personality and character determine in it, are determined through it, and therefore the nefesh abhamis and the nefesh asichlis, the rational namasol, are very important. And over here the parents have a very important say, what type of garment the child will have. Even a great neshama has to have this. Why does the Zayah keep on saying, you're dealing with the soul, because this garment is so closely associated with the soul, it is so bound up with it, they're constantly functioning together, that it can be called a soul by itself. But when we speak more specifically, we have to determine between the actual soul and the garment of the soul. They say about one of the famous Hasidic masters, Reb Uri of Strelisk, he's known as the Saraf. He once told his pupils, he said, you cannot imagine how much easier my service of Hashem would have been if my father would have immersed himself one time in his life in the mikveh. Immersing oneself in a mikveh introduces sanctity and holiness in his life. So he said, you can't imagine how it would make it much easier. Because although his soul was a great soul, and the soul is not determined by the parents in any way, but nevertheless the garment of the soul, is determined by the parents. And as he quotes it from the Arizal, all the mitzvahs the godly soul does is through that garment. You cannot put on tefillin if you do not have functioning hands through a healthy blood circulation which comes about through a biological soul. You cannot think Torah or learn Gemara or learn Tanya if you do not have a brain and a rationale and intellectuality which comes through this garment. And even the Shefa, which comes from heaven to the human being, inspiration that comes to the human being, goes via this garment. And this is the unique purpose and function of parents, that they have to realize that much before the child is born, much before the later months of pregnancy, the initial moment of union, when conception did not even happen yet, their thoughts, their mentality... Their state of mind, their state of heart can determine what type of child this child, the, 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 their offspring will be. And this is not, when we deal with sanctity over here, it's not dealing over here with um, handsomeness or beauty or even intellectual capacity. It's dealing with sanctity and holiness. If the child will have the ability to be able to access and tap into a spiritual essence, or it will be much more difficult for him. There was a famous uh, Rebbe who once wrote, the previous Lubavitch Rebbe, Rabbi Yisuf Yitzhak Schneerson, has written that the fact that in our generation, and how it came true in his time, it was much better, but now you see, the fact that in our generation, especially in America, there is such a major problem regarding the relationship between parents and children, regarding a certain moral conduct that it seems that many of the youth of our generation simply lack, he says, stem not as a fault from the children, 
but rather from the conduct of the parents, not only in the formidable years of education, that's for sure, but even in their own relationships, regarding how they observe the laws of Tyrus and Mishpacha, of family purity, how much they introduce sanctity and godliness into their life and into the relationship, that determines if the children can have the ability to be connected with their very soul. And he said many of the problems in our generation come from the fact that unfortunately parents were not careful and cautious about this very issue. And Alter Rebbe continues, Avol haneshama atma, but the soul itself, hine lepa'amim nishmas adam gavoya le'en kates, it sometimes happens that the soul of an infinitely lofty person comes to be the son of a despised and lowly person. Regarding the garment of the soul, this is determined by the spiritual nature of the parents and by their act of sanctification by the time of their union. But the soul itself... So of course, many times, and perhaps majority of times, righteous, holy people will have great souls. But nevertheless, sometimes, a great soul will come to be born to a despised and lowly father from the spiritual perspective. So the soul itself is disconnected and disengaged from the actual spiritual nature and character and conduct of the father and the mother. And now he gives the reference to this discussion, this last discussion, all of this has been explained by Rabbi Yitzchak Luria, the Arizal, Adeneinu, Rabbi Yitzchak, Zephyrine Levracha, Blessed Memory, Belekot Yitzchak, Parshas Vayera, Betayme Mitzvahs, Parshas Bereshis, in a Sefer, Lekot Yitzchak, on Parshas Vayera, and in a Sefer, Taime Mitzvahs, on Parshas Bereshis, both printed in one volume over there, the Arizal discusses, this issue, how the parents contribute the garment and the crucial aspect of the garment and how it's dependent on the act of the sanctity of union, in the midst of the union. So we make a distinction again between the garment and the soul. Finally, he made a final last statement, that the soul itself is totally independent of the parents, and sometimes it happens to be that a high soul is born to a despised to despised and, and lowly parents from a spiritual perspective. Now, of course, many times it's not the case. Many times, tzaddikim will give birth to souls that are great souls. But this does not have to do with the conduct of the parents that determine the nature of their soul. It could be as a merit, as a reward, Hashem will grant them these great souls. But the nature of the soul itself, what is the soul, where it comes from, from which level it is, which stages of evolution goes through, that is determined totally and only by Hashem. And in fact, sometimes, he concludes this last statement, that a lowly person can have give birth to a, to a, to a, a lofty soul. The reason for this, Darizal also explains, but not in these places, but it's rather a fascinating doctrine that Darizal develops at length in Lekot uh, Yitair and Iyav, and in uh, Shara Gilgulim, Hagdam Alamad Chas, uh, 38th introduction, and mainly in his, Sefer, his famed Sefer Gilgulim, the Arizal quotes a Medrash on the Pasuk in Iyav, Perik uh, Yedalet, Pasuk Gimel, says the Pasuk, Mi yitain tahar mitamai loy echad. Who can withdraw purity from impurity? No one. Zag the Medrash in Bamid Baraba, the beginning of Parsha Yutes, Avraham came from Terach. Chizkiah came from Achas. 
Yeshia from Amain, Mardechai from Shimi, the Jewish people from the nations, the world to come, Elam Haba from this world, Elam Haza. Who could do this? Who could command this? Who could decree this? No one but Hashem, the only one on earth. Loi Echad. No one but Hashem, the only one on earth. Yechidei Shalayla. Explains the Arizal that this is Miyitein Tahir Mitamay. The only one who can withdraw purity from impurity is only Hashem. But why should we want to withdraw purity from impurity? There are major Nishamais that for whatever reason find themselves in the realms called Klippus. Hashem, in order that there should be three choice, and that man's endeavor in life should be a meaningful, truly meaningful and purposeful experience, he had to give and create energies and realities that conceal the reality of godliness and can introduce a perception and a way of conduct that is antithetical to the divine will and purpose. And these realms are called clippus, shells, husks. We discussed in chapter 1, uh, more at length, the idea of clippus. But the only way something can receive nourishment is by connected to Hashem, by connection to Hashem. Because Hashem is the source of all life and vitality and energy. So they themselves are distinct and separated from the godly source. So they always seeking to receive more nourishment. They have a little nourishment that comes in a very contracted and obscured manner from Hashem because Hashem wants them to exist. But they seek to enhance their livelihood, so to speak. So where do you go for that? For that you have to go to the realm of sanctity. And as mentioned before, the greater the potential for sanctity, the greater the potential that it should be abused. Therefore, Klippa always seeks to get a hand, a hold on the realm of Gdusha. There are certain souls that find themselves in their realm. And this gives them very powerful nourishment. And they by no means will, will like to release these souls. However, they're scared that Rizal says that one day a tzaddik could, uh, parents, through their prayer, can extract that soul and affect the descent of that soul. And that they're very scared of because they're going to lose the soul. So what do they do? So they have to allow the soul to be born. Because if not, it's going to be taken away from them. So they, so they decide where they want it to be born. So they usually take a couple that's a very lowly and despised couple. And they say, over here, we'll send out the soul. And it's even better if the relationship between the couple is blemished. Because then they feel in such a blemished environment, spiritual environment, the soul will never be able to reach its spiritual heights. And therefore, the soul will live... And never maximize its potentials. And when this soul dies, we will even have greater nourishment from this soul because it abused its potential on earth. So they found Terach. Terach was Terach. And Terach's wife, Amasloi, was no better than him. They were the idol worshippers of the generation. The Midrash says even more that their relationship, which conceived Avram, was a relationship when she was a Nida. She was in the midst of her menstrual cycle. So in addition to their being wicked people, the actual union was a, was a contaminated one, was an impure one. So they sent out the neshama of Avraham. The same is true regarding Chizkiah and Achas. The same is true regarding, it says, Reb Meir. And many, many great neshamas who had to come through this experience. This is parenthetically, I'm not going to get into it, the reason 
regarding the soul of the greatest human beings of all time, Mashiach. If you are to understand the genealogy of Mashiach, it's totally absurd. It begins with Light and his two daughters. And his relationship with them, with the two children, Amin and Mayaf. It continues to Rus Hamayavia, who is from Moabite descent, who has a very weird and obscure relationship with Bayas. In a very weird place, at a very weird time, as discussed in Rus. It continues further to the enigmatic relationship between David and Bathsheba. And continues for a generation earlier, this is not so familiar, the relationship between Yishai and David's mother. It continues in the next generation between Shloima and Nama Aminus. And Mashiach comes from all of this. Says Dairiza, since Mashiach is the greatest soul of all times, the soul that is going to introduce once and for all the godly purpose into existence, this the Clippers will never let out. Because this is the ultimate war against them. This is destroying them. This is devastating them. Mashiach is the time when Klippa will be vanished, when the godly reality will become the reality in the world. So the only way Hashem can do it, and since Hashem gives them validity, because that's how the system of the world comes, we have to perfect the world. Klippa doesn't get vanished miraculously. So Hashem in the beginning of time chose that seed and made sure that in those obscure relationships, the seed of Mashiach should be hidden somewhere until the day when it will be revealed and ultimately Mashiach will come. This is true regarding Mashiach and many other sages. This is the reason why sometimes regarding the soul itself, a very great soul can be born to a lowly and despised father. So, what we, But this is all regarding the soul. Regarding the garment of the soul, this already is determined by the parents. Does anyone have questions before I continue? Okay. What a miracle. Yeah, Baruch Hashem, yeah. This issue is not something that we that we understand, we determine. This is already dealing with Hashem. Which souls are where, and which souls... The Rizal discusses it at length. It's very, uh, some very powerful stuff over there. Yeah. In some ways, aren't you saying that uh, any living soul, Jewish soul, uh, owes its existence to the past physically, spiritually Hashem and their uh, source. But uh, is that putting the blame on our parents for a lot of things? Um, uh, why don't you look at a dog that you're asking, isn't it, putting, isn't it putting a blame on our parents for a lot of things? Why don't you look at it the other way? <laughs> isn't it giving our parents to, an opportunity to bring into the world beautiful and holy and healthy children physically and spiritually. That's how I would look at it. What do we have to focus on the negative side? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. If the garment is produced by the parents, what did Avram Avinu deal? That's why the clip is allowed Avram's soul to be released because they felt it's going to be such a thick, concealing, obscuring garment, Avram will never get out of it. And that was Avram's unique challenge. Avram rose to the occasion, and with, notwithstanding a garment from Terach and Amaslai, he nevertheless transcended that. And since his soul was Avram, Avinu's soul, he ultimately rose and reached 
the pinnacle of, of spiritual and godly and godly heights. And every human, I'll soon discuss in a moment how the same is true regarding every human being. Now, yeah. Okay, it's not the clippers are not specific human beings. Sometimes you want the question was who are the clippers and what type of power do they have? Clippers is, is is it's 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 a very famous, uh, although misunderstood, doctrine in Kabbalistic teachings and Hasidic teachings. It's something that uh, requires a lesson for itself. I did discuss it more at length in the Shiurim on chapter one with Alter Rebbe discusses clippers and sitra achira. Uh, it should be in the tapes, I'm sure, if they weren't erased, and. Um, uh, <laughs> And the, the, the klippas are not specific human beings. Sometimes klippas can be embodied and personified in human beings, but nevertheless, the klippas generally, you're dealing with spiritual energies, spiritual reality, spiritual energies that are husks, that are shells, that Hashem create, that conceal the godly existence and the godly truth. In, in some way, you can deem it, our animal soul as a klippadika soul. In the sense that it conceals the truth of godliness. It does not allow us to appreciate and to discern that the true essence of everything is Hashem. But nevertheless, that's a lower level of klippa. So that, that's what generally klippa sound, that's what their task is. And it's the reason why it exists is to grant a human being free choice. What do the klippas have within the shamas? Since they receive nourishment from gdusha, from sanctity... So sometimes Hashem allows them the opportunity to hold captive certain neshamas through which, through which they're nourished. The reason why these neshamas have to do with klipa, it's usually the souls of those people who were given the mission to change the world. These souls are going to have to enter the realm of klipa and transform it. Souls like Avraham Avinu. Souls like David HaMalach. Souls like Mashiach, ultimately. Since these souls have to go through this experience, so they, so to speak, their journey, their voyage has to go through the realm of Klippa. Because that's ultimately what their mission is. And over there they have to prevail. They don't only prevail in the realm of Gdusha. Now, now we have to understand one last final point, And that is how all of this comes into Tanya. As mentioned... At a previous class, that the point of the Tanya comes to explain the Pasik, how this thing of Torah and Mitzvahs of Yiddishkeit is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart to do it. Every Perik of Tanya comes to further clarify, explain, and internalize this Pasik. The question that perturbs the author before he writes the Sefer Tanya is how can you say that Yiddishkeit is something truly close? We discussed at length then. That people experience a perpetual struggle, where on one hand, Yiddishkeit and godliness could seem so real, but then it seems so evasive. It seems like it was all a dream, a fantasy, something superimposed. And the question is, what is the true reality? Through Tanya, the Alter Rebbe wants to guide and explain and teach the person how despite the fact that there is a perpetual struggle, because there is an inherent duality in man between a godly soul and an animal soul, nevertheless... The human being has the opportunity that at every moment of his or her life, he or she can access and tap in to their spiritual godly self and make it a guiding factor in their life. So despite the struggle, despite that you'll always have an animal soul, most people, nevertheless, you always have that godly aspect in you 
which the Tanya teaches you how you can understand, relate to it, tap into it, and access it, and make it a reality in your life. So the Alter Rebbe over here, at the end of the period, drives this point home by saying, true, parents do have a crucial influence on the nature of their children. So what about a Jewish person who comes and says, I never had a Jewish education. I was never given that ability. I was never given that chance. Furthermore, what happens if I grew up in a blemished environment, a spiritually blemished environment? What happens if his parents, in the time of their union or in their education, did not act properly? What is the fate of this child? Comes Dr. Eben says, we're not going to deny it. Parents have a powerful influence on their children. And they are responsible for the good and for the not good on many issues. But nevertheless, every single Jew has a part in himself which is an untouched child. That no one but no one, whatever they may think or say or do to this child, cannot touch or affect this part of the child in any way whatsoever. And this is the actual Neshama. Every single Jew contains a part in himself which is very pure, which is very holy, which is very innocent, which is very godly. And whatever this child went through, it can blemish and affect many parts of him, the garment. But nevertheless, there is a very true and essential part which comes directly from Hashem and no one has an influence on that and that always remains pure. So even at the age of 20 or 30 or 40 or 60, he can tap into that, access it, and live up to his true godly potential. And this is indeed something that's of very practical contemporary significance today. Because there are many people, unfortunately children today, who were, who were and are abused. And when I say abused, I mean in many ways. Not only physical abuse, but mental abuse, psychological abuse, spiritual abuse. Sometimes, educators... Teachers, principals, parents can abuse a child unwillingly. It's not their fault. They sometimes meant to the best. But in some psychological, mental, spiritual way, the child becomes affected. And this has severe consequences in the mental, psychological, spiritual life of the child when he or she grows up. And I don't have to elaborate on this because this is, this is the common story today, every day. Many, many people were hurt by this. And the question is, how does Torah deal with this? The end of Perik Beis, the Rebbe makes this point, and this is so important for the Tanya. Why Karev If the if the parents would be able to determine what type of soul you are, what type of soul you have, and how it can be expressed, and what should be its nature, then yeah, then for such a person, it would sometimes be impossible to rise again and to be cured. Comes Dr. Rebbe and says, yeah, the garment depends on the parents, but the soul has nothing to do with anyone else but you yourself and Hashem who imbues you with that soul. And therefore, whatever your past was, whatever you went through, whatever scars an individual has, and as severe as these scars may be, they cannot taint or scar that essential godly consciousness that exists within man. And therefore, it's sometimes difficult. It sometimes seems very difficult. But it's not impossible, never impossible. In fact, it's with the proper understanding and with the proper guidance. Man, in every situation, can become connected with that part of him. 
and make that neshama reality in his or her life and thus achieve wholesomeness, happiness in life and fulfill their godly spiritual mission in this world. Yeah. You heard that uh, the Levush here means the Nefesh HaSichlis. I interpret it as the Nefesh HaBahamas. Okay, uh, the question is that Al Rebbe discusses here the Levush that the parents contribute to the child. I discussed the Levush being the entire animal, vital soul that they give the child, uh, that they impart to the child. And you're saying that you heard that Al Rebbe is referring specifically to the Nefesh HaSichlis, to the intellectual rational soul. We discussed in the Shiurim in the beginning of chapter 2, in class number 8, two weeks ago we discussed the concept of the Nefesh HaSichlis. Okay, in the writings of the Tzamach Tzedek on this Perik, when it comes to the Levush, he interprets it indeed as the Nefesh HaSichlis. But the Mittler Rebbe, the son of the Alter Rebbe, in his Sefer Bi'uri HaZoyar in Parshas Pinchas, he explicitly says that this levush of noiga, of klipas noiga, which the parents contribute, is the entire nefesh hachiyunis and habahamis, the entire vital and animal soul. And this is what they contribute to the child. The Alter Biyuri HaZoyar is indeed explanations on the Zoyar that the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, Friday night he would give a class on the Zoyar. It was a class exclusively for his children. Among them, the Mittler Rebbe. And the Mittler Rebbe transcribed all these classes and he printed them in a sefer called Bi'uri Azayar a few years after the Alter Rebbe passed away. Tovkofayim Vav, I believe. That's uh, 18, uh, 1816. In his own lifetime, in the Mittler Rebbe's lifetime. And in Bi'uri Azayar, he says that clearly that the Levush includes the entire Nefesh Abhamis. Therefore, I interpreted the Levush as including the entire other soul, which is both the rational, the rational element of the soul, as well as the Bahamistic element of the soul. And this comes from the parents, which means, in other words, that the nature of the parents, their physical, biological nature, their mental, psychological nature, their perspectives, their mentalities, their, their, their mentality and their genetics, of course, and all that, that is what is continued in the child's life. His biological, psychological structure comes from the parents. But then there is another element, the nefesh alakiz, that that comes purely from Hashem, that comes purely mima. Yeah. That's a good question. How does it stem with the Gemara? The Gemara in Nida, could you please take out a Nida? Give me a nida, please. In nida, the flamer aleph and an aleph. The Gemara says, "Taner Abban," and that there are three partners in a person. Hakadosh Baruch Hu And the Gemara discusses the fact that every every one of these partners contributes. Aviv Mazriya Halayv and Shemenu Atzam is Gidim Mitzipanayim. Contributes other things. Finally, the Gemara says, "Hakadosh Baruch Hu Noisim Beiruach and Hashem." Hashem imbues man with spirit, with the spirit, with the soul. And the Gemara continues, "Kivon Shigi is Manili Potim in Aelam." Hakadosh Baruch Hu Noitel Chelkei v'Chelak Avivim Ma'im Aniyach Lefnei. I'm sorry, Hakadosh Baruch Hu Noitel Chelkei v'Chelak Avivim Ma'im Aniyach Lefnei. When it comes the time for the human being to pass away, Hashem takes his part away, and the part of the father and the mother he puts in front of them, which means he takes away the neshama, and the person is left with a body. So we see from here that the vital soul that gives the human being life, you're asking, is not comes from comes from Hashem. Even that comes from Hashem. 
It's a very good question. The Mittler Rebbe in Beyure Hazayar Parshas Pinchas asks the question and says, Hainu Nefesh Alekis, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Noisen by Neshama is referring specifically to the divine soul. But the Nefesh Achiyunas Abba'am has come from the parents. However, one can ask that the Pashtus, at least from the literal interpretation, it seems like the Gemara is also talking about the vital soul. Because the Gemara says that upon his death, Hashem takes away his part, and that includes even the vital soul. That is taken away. A person doesn't even have the power to function as an animal after he passes away, God forbid. Yeah, so that's an obvious question. I don't know. I don't know the answer for it. Perhaps, however, perhaps I can suggest that even when we say that the parents contribute, the Nefesh Achiyunas and Bahamas, there is still a dimension where HaKadosh Baruch Hu's part is extremely crucial, so to speak. There is still a very powerful dimension for which HaKadosh Baruch Hu is needed. In other words, in the Nefesh HaChiyunas Bahamas, there are various elements. Perhaps there are those elements, the various makeup, which the various makeup, the different aspects of it, which make up the psychological structure of the human being. But the soul, the vitality, the energy, the neshama, even of the Nefesh Bahamas, comes of course from HaKadosh Baruch And therefore, this is the partnership of Hashem, even in the Nefesh Bahamas. That's possible, but uh, I'm not sure about that. That we have to research. Yeah. Thank you very much. The last sentence we think that there's yeah. Once it's born, every single Jew can access his godly soul. That's the whole point Dr. Rebbe wants to make here. That there's a part in the person that's unaffected by the blemishes of the parents. It's that the parents do not determine. Everyone has that holiness, and whatever they do, the holiness of the soul is untainted. That is determined by mima'al. That's why it says, mima'al. It's purely from above. Even by their actions, by their conduct, by their perceptions, by their mentality, by their prejudices. This soul is totally mimal. It's from above. Beginning from its source through its whole state of evolution. It's beyond this world's experience and beyond anyone in this world influencing it. That's the point. So you have in you something that no one can touch, no one can influence. It's holy as it was in its spiritual worlds. Yeah, so when you access that, you can access holiness in your life. Yeah. You understand? True, it's, it's uh, very deep. It's of the essence. Is that also true of the daughter to the father? Or is the daughter connected more closely to the mother? Yeah. You understand the clip issue? Sure. It's a little complex. I didn't want to get into it. But the idea is simple. In other words, if you have a strong neshama, that the Shia, in other words, they have to be since they're Right, that's why Hashem allows the clippers to have a hold on them because they can only be successful 
if they go through clippers. You know, before before you want when you want to train a spy, you want to train a spy. You have to send him to enemy territory. If not, he will not be able to be a spy. Mashiach is going to have to go into enemy territory. That's why before he's born, right? So the clippers have a hold on him, have a hold on him, and therefore he can only be born through these weird, obscure relationships. I forgot you then Tamar, yeah, you then Tamar. So you you see this certain like spiritual in other words Binyama was like the Mechira part of the problem is that they had the Kaya you see how spiritually I guess yeah. your forefathers have have a power yeah. yeah but one thing well you know just think about that and you said a side issue really think about it Asa is really the son of Jacob how do you have a son a brother go so good really think about it when you say that's the Kedusha that with Esau and Yitzchak, these are really the same parents. Jacob has the same father, mother. Had the same father, mother. Look, he's not a terrible enemy to wife, to generation. No, it's no question that Esau had a holy garment. He couldn't have a holier garment. Yeah. Yitzchak and Rivka. Indeed, it says Esau even had a great soul. But but Esau, everyone, even Jacob and Esau had free choice. Everyone has free choice. I, mean, I, I didn't discuss it, but it's quite obvious. Dr. Rebbe over here does not discuss the issue of free choice. That's the issue. How you, how you're yeah, going to live your life. You can have holy parents and holy garments. But... Yeah. Yeah. Who's this? My brother. You cannot think Tata without your brain. The Nafshalakis doesn't live in in in, in Sadal and Nafsha Bahamas in China. They both live in the same brain. They have to use the same hands. No, the brain is a mayach, a physical brain. A gashmizika brain. Now you have chayis to the brain. Is the nafsha Bahamas, nafsha chayonis? The nafsha lekiz. In order, it should exercise its chachma bin das, its understanding. Must use side the brain and side the physical energy of the brain, which comes from the nafsha Bahamas. So it's always working through the levush of the nafsha Bahamas. When it wants to put on tefillin, the nafsha lekiz wants to put on tefillin because it wants to connect to the ebrister. So you need a hand, and your hand has to be able to move. So you have to have a blood circulation. From nafshachiyunis, everything. The nafshachiyunis is the chiyunis de kasol. What do you want the nafshachiyunis? <laughs> I mean, chayis in the brain. means chayis in the brain. Chayis in the brain means a mace also has a brain, but he can't think. Yeah, there's first a certain, uh, certain uh, the blood, first a circulation of the Eberstad Gemach that the circulation allows the nerves in the brain to function. The brain to fun- that's all from the nafshah chiyunas abahamas. What's the nafshah lekis? Nafshah lekis is a character. It's a spiritual character. Character. What's the teichen of this character? But in order it should, it should experience its character. In our life, it has to go through the nafsha chiyunas. There's no other way. Avada through the nafsha. Avada has. As I said, nafsha Bahamas has two things. People confuse it. First of all, it's, it, it gives you life. 
physical life. Even if you wouldn't think, you wouldn't feel. Like a... Like a what? The power of perception. You should be able to see, you should be able to hear. In addition... Yeah, nafshachiyah. That's what's called nafshachiyunas. Ne. Even the chayis gufnis comes from nafshalikis, but even that it comes through the nafshachiyun. So you can't say it's coming from nafshalikis, but it's not tzayda shmos. This is the first step in the nafshalikis. That's the first. Second thing, nafshalikis also has a character. In pedikalov, he's two things. He amislabashes b'dam adam lahachis haguf. Ki nafshah basa b'dam he managed. Personality. Midis. And then later you'll see Seichel also. A spiritual human being. He has a personality, he has a character, he has what he feels, his moods, he has, he has understanding. He could dream, he could philosophize, he could fantasize, he could hate, he could love. It's all the Nafshabam. It's an Akud Nafshabam because what the Mohus of this Ruchni is, is Ich. It's still a Kus. Ich. Then the Nafshal Kis. The Kis also has a personality. What's the Teichen of this personality? Teichen of this personality is Gatlachkeit. So the love is Gatlachkeit in the head. Nafshal Kis hurts as a Lakus is damas. And that's a tall Chayis, that's a tall Gadda, that's a tall Inya. How, ex- how does it experience itself? How does it express itself? How does it manifest itself? In our world. It, Lamaila, doesn't have a problem, man. Man, it through itself. <laughs> Through itself, it manifests itself. But over here, we take things through tools, through machshidim. So, you never shall the kiss hears itself. You want that you should live with it, so it has to go through a goof, through an afshachiyunas. That's the lavush. That's why he calls it lavush. He wants to be madgish, how, how it's very negayat to the neshama. Yeah. It's through the guf and the nafshachiyunas. Through the nafshachiyunas and the nafshachiyunas is mechayet the guf. It says, "Kol mitzvah sheisa kela deyasel lavush." You can't do a mitzvah without it. Even trachna mitzvah, certainly a gashmi is the mitzvah. Kevin's talking. You can't do it. And the nafshalikis, how does the nafshalikis express itself through a mitzvah? Lavushim, we'll see in Perek Dalit. That's how the nafshalikis expresses itself. So it has to have a guf. It has to have a nafshachiyunas. How the nafshalikis think, how it feels, it. it all has to do with, with the nafshachi, with all, with all the na- Yeah. Yeah. It's a lavush. It's an actual kiss tracht. It has its own seichel. It has its own way of thinking. But it's connected. Not every nefeshal kiss thinks the same way. Huh? Yeah, but... But that's part of the godly soul. Huh? It's not so. I don't know if Shada, the Nefshabam says the Lavusha Machshava. Lavusha Machshava is still the Machshava from the Nefshalikis. Mehechetesa. Huh? Kenza. Chavadazakst. You can't no awareness without thought. We don't have awareness without thought. Yeah, okay, could be. Yeah. That's how the Tzamaq Tzaddik interprets it. 
I don't know if you have a better authority to uh, explain Tanya than Zemach Tzadik. I'll tell you Zemach Tzadik writes. On the word Shein L'chalavur Shaipta, Kenira HaKavona L'Nefesh HaSichlis. It doesn't even write the Nefesh HaChiyonis HaBahamas. The Rishim is for Rebbe, so a lot of people only look at sort of ha'aras. So they always touch only nafash ha'sichlis. It's the whole nafash ha'amas from the person. And the Rebbe Teichens is the Abori Yazeyah. Oh, no, I wouldn't. Uh, these things you can't determine by yourself. No, it says Befeders. These things is. Uh, <laughs> he says it's a mamash. He says nefesh achiyunas abahamas It's modern because the whole time you say stay nefashes, stay nefashes, stay nefashes. Tutsing alavush gevarin. In one pedik, in a few words, gevarin alavush. Zaga nefesh. It's very modern. Plutsing ganayid number. Why does he call it Lavush? Why does the Zayah call it? The Zayah says that you're going to be Mamshach and Nefesh from Sitra So he calls it a Lavush. Since it's a Lavush, so it could be called Hashem HaNefesh, because it's so close associated. He doesn't want to bring out the Havdalah of the two Nefeshes. He wants to bring out the Ishachdus of, of the Nefeshal Kiss with the Lavush. I say, Duchtzachme. I don't know the statement. I say, Duchtzachme. That's one Indian. He wants to bring out another Indian. But the pnimius is nishgebitten. He wants to bring out that it, only your garment you could you could change. That nakuda. Not the, He doesn't want to talk about the nefesh over This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.